And what I do is uh, I'm a software developer by trade. That's what, I, that's what I've done. And then I became an IT manager recently in the last couple of years. I have two teams in two different countries, and I, um, and I, I support the applications for, um, for two companies uh, that, that uh, LabCorp, who owns us now, um, owns. And IT is a, is a high-stress environment. Um, we deal with, basically, we, the business folks, they think they run the company. We know that we run the company. Um, if a server goes down, it's, it's over. No, I mean, they, they, we've automated so much today that they, they're really not a lot of manual processes that they can do. Um, I, I've had, I, I mean, there's more. You know, something, some code change we make can actually release um, incorrect results to a patient. Uh, someone can make bad decisions because of something we've done uh, behind the scenes. That makes you feel real safe, right? Yeah, you know, think about your lab work. Hey, I recommend, you know, go for a second opinion um, as an IT person. Uh, I'm kidding, a little bit. So um, I would go home from work. Um, have, how many of you experience stress where, you, it's like the room is glowing a little bit. You can see kind of dots because, and your you, your arms, right? They're tingling, right? And so, I mean, that became the phrase to my wife. I'd say um, it was an arm tingling day uh, because that's the kind of stress. And and stress is great if you stepped off the sidewalk and there's a bus coming. Because, you know, your blood pressure jumps, the adrenaline jumps, and you jump out of the way of the bus as it goes by, and you, you've, you've avoided that catastrophe. Um, that, is, that is why God puts stress in our life. And stress is a good thing. Um, some people say, I work better under stress, and, and some of that kind of stuff. But here's the truth, okay? Chronic stress, chronic stress is a bad thing. Because your body never shuts down. And they've done study after study uh, showing the, the effects of chronic stress. In fact, stress relief at this point is a, is a billion-dollar industry. I mean, they have stress balls. Our manager, she bought us stress balls. You guys need stress balls, you know, and that was kind of big. So, you know, we're a bunch of IT guys. So we were trying to see if, if I hit that tile, it should drop and hit the guy in the next cube. You know, we were chucking them all. I was never very good at that, so I just would nail somebody when I passed by their cube. That seemed to be the best way, which introduced another form of stress because you never know when you're going to get beamed by a stress ball. So there's this whole industry uh, built around stress and all that stuff, and, and um, stress is very real today. And what I want to talk about, just to start off, there, there, I want to talk about the seven most common areas of stress that we have today. And I'll just rifle through these. I'm going to give you a ton of information today, and it's, I'm going to do my best to be as quick as possible so we can get out of here. Um, worry, right? We have more to worry about than we ever have, than we ever have. Uh, Twenty years ago, people didn't worry about identity theft, right? Where's your cell phone right now? 
Right? That's another worry. Where did I leave my cell phone? You know, in the 90s, it was bolted to the vehicle, right? Now, it's, it can just pop out the back of your pocket, and now we're trying to find, uh, find my iPhone. i got to try and find it. I, you know, insurance is blah, blah, blah. So all that kind of worry and stress that comes from that. Another is hurry. Everything is going faster and faster. You know, they called it a microwave generation. For me, now, I think we've made it to the 4G LTE generation, right? That was so four seconds ago, right? Wasn't that the commercial? So I put my food in the microwave, and it's a minute and a half. I'm like, this is forever. I can probably get a couple games of Words with Friends in. Let me check Facebook real quick. (laughs) It's a funny one about a cat. Yeah, so, oh, it's finally done, right? We've moved on, and there's a tremendous amount of hurry. Um, Crowds, uh, another area. People are moving uh, to cities, 83% of Americans live in a large city. In the 1800s, there was, there was one city over a million people. It was London, one. Now there's over 500 cities with over a million, and we've moved now to what we call mega cities like Mumbai that has 32 million, uh, Tokyo that has 36 million people. And those crowds and the pressure of those crowds and that whole experience you know, we've we spent four billion hours in traffic in the last year, wasting 600 billion gallons of gas in the last year. Those crowds, all that stuff, that adds another area of stress. Um, are you guys feeling good, right? As I go through, you're going to be like, oh, oh my God, I hated church today. The guy stressed me out. So another one was um, another area is the loss of uh, more choices. Right. Before you used to be able to go in and you get what there were like four things of toothpaste. Right. Mid tea fresh, regular crest or trident or whatever it was. No. What's the other Colgate? Yeah. Now there's like 60. They have 14 different ingredients and, they, and you just I just want to brush my teeth, you know, and, it, and that level of choices. It's, it's more and more and more. Um, Choices, that adds a level of stress where you want to eat after church today. I start thinking about that in the morning because I just can't cope with it by the time if somebody asks me straight out of the box. So Starbucks, 50,000 different choices when you order one drink. One drink, 50,000. Pluralism is another thing. We have very different beliefs. You know, it used to be more of a melting pot. We used to have a lot of common themes, though. And it was now we're more like a stew, right? And I, there's this chunk, and you're bumping me with your beliefs, and I got to share my beliefs, but I also have to share my opinion about your beliefs because you're an idiot, and all of the stuff that goes on that. So you have all that conflict and instability and, and stuff like that. And then the last one is the fear of the future. We've been dealing with that, especially with the whole economy and the situations there. They're telling me the economy is good, but there's all these jobless people. The dollar is going to fail. No way. The euro is going to fail. Then the dollar will fail. Pretty soon we're using Chinese money. I mean, just all of the stuff in the news, right? The fear of the future and all that stuff. So the question becomes then is what, what do we do, right? How, how do we cope with this level of stress, with the amount of stress that is on us? You know, and it's, I mean, the, you know, scientists came and they did this whole study to show that chronic stress is bad. Uh, but actually, Solomon wrote in Proverbs, whatever, 
2,500, 3,000 years ago, however long that was ago, he wrote, peace of mind makes the body healthy. You know, it, it doesn't take a genius to know that this is a bad situation. Um, and the, the question, though, is, you know, what is the antidote to stress? You know, how, how do we deal with this? Because, frankly, I, I deal with a lot of stress. I had three teenagers in my house at one time, you know. I, I know stress. So, so what I want to look at is I found that there is one psalm in the Bible, and you've heard this psalm. There is one psalm in the Bible that answers all of these areas of stress and gives us the antidote to stress. So we're going to walk through this psalm. Now, here's the challenge, okay? Every one of us, I am sure, if, if you're not a Christian, you haven't been to church forever, you have heard this psalm. The, the issue is not that we haven't heard it. The issue is that we don't apply it. We don't apply it to our lives. We don't take it seriously, and we don't uh, excuse me, do anything that it suggests that will make a difference in our chronic stress. Because here's the truth, okay? The problem with our health isn't what we are eating. It is what is eating us, right? It drives alcoholism, drugs, overeating, over-shopping, retail therapy, right? We use that term. It drives all that stuff, what's eating us. And the, and the, the Bible offers this antidote. It's a psalm that was written by David more than 2,500 years ago. So my challenge for you guys today is we need to apply this to our lives, if we're going to get out of chronic stress and be spiritually healthy, because healthy people do healthy things. And we put ourselves in a position to really be able to do what God wants us to do and what he purposes for when we're doing those things. So I'm going to roll through these pretty quick. But each one you'll see as we go through each, each statement, there's seven habits. These are all action statements. Something that, that you need to put, we need, uh, me too, we need to put into practice in order to get out of chronic stress. Are you guys ready? Okay, fasten your seatbelts. Okay, this will be like need for speed. We're going to go through, okay? So the first one is that we need to look to God to meet all my needs. Look to God to meet all my needs. So the psalm that I'm talking about is Psalm 23. Okay? The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all I need. So, really what this is saying, if we, if we take this as a statement from the Lord saying, I'm your shepherd, you have all you need, the Lord is saying, you need to trust me as your shepherd. The sheep trust their shepherd. You have to, not all I, you notice it says need, not want, right? Because I want lots of stuff, and I want everything to go the way I want it to. But that's just not how it works. So I have all my needs. So we need to look to God to meet all our needs. And, and stress comes when we look to others or other things to meet our needs instead of God. That's the action statement is that we need to stop putting our security in anything that we can lose, right? 
anything that can be taken from you. Do not put, as your pastor, do not put your security in anything that can be taken from you. Your relationship, your relationships with your, your, your parents, your mom, your spouse, your professors, your, um, your bank account, your, what you own, your status, your reputation, your health. All those things can be taken from you. The only thing you cannot lose, the only thing you cannot lose is your relationship to the Lord. Right? That's the thing you can't lose. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God will always. Now, you may turn your back. You may, you know, I don't want to, you know, speak to the hand kind of thing with God. But he will always be right there. And the relationship with Christ is always available right because what jesus did on the cross is above any sin that you will ever commit and if you're saying i'm not good enough god could never forgive me what you're really saying is that your sin is too big for jesus to forgive his blood that he shed on the cross is not good enough to forgive you that's not good right that's not a good thing. So we need to do that. I promised I was going to go fast, and now I'm going slow. All right? So stress reduction starts with looking to God. Right? So we look to God through worship. That's what we're doing here. Um, only in returning to me and waiting for me will you be saved. And the quietness and confidence is your strength. So Worship is that anecdote to worry. And by worship, I mean engaging in the relationship with the shepherd. And it's not like driving through Starbucks. It is not like shopping at Ross. It takes time and it is time well spent. Time is your friend. You have to spend time. If you're like, that didn't work for me, you didn't spend enough time. Right? You just went shopping and that doesn't last. All right. Let's look at number two. Oh, here's your affirmation, right? I trust it. So this is what you need to write down if you didn't. When you're in that situation of worry, this is the affirmation you need to say, I trust God to meet my needs. I trust God to meet my needs. Okay? All right, number two. Let's do that. Obey God's instruction about rest. He makes me lie down. How many, uh, look, can we, we could have, if we have more time, confession session up here. How many times did you work yourself into your bed, right? You worked and worked and worked and worked and then you got sick and then you were made to lay down, right? Think about it this way. God created us, right? He could have created us to not need sleep. He could have. I mean, we're only here for, what, 80, 100 years? I mean, you think we would get all of it. But a third of our life is spent sleeping. And in, in, in a shepherd with sheep, a shepherd makes his sheep lie down. They need to rest. They're, sorry, they're too dumb to rest, right? We cannot be in a position where we are too dumb to rest, okay? We need it. We need to rest. So, obey God's instruction about rest, okay? And, when, and you need to refill. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Um, and that's what the Sabbath is all about. 
So here's what to do on the Sabbath, real quick. So everybody, you need this Sabbath day. God rested on the Sabbath. He wasn't tired. He's trying to model. You need a break. You're right. Computers, they need to be rebooted sometimes, right? Turn them off. We're the same way. So we need. So here's what you need to do on your, on your Sabbath, on your break. Rest your body, right? Rest your body. Don't say, well, it's my day off because you'll cheat. You'll work anyway. Rest your body. Refocus your spirit. That's why you guys are here today. We're refocusing our spirit, right? I know when I miss Sunday. I can tell on Wednesday because I don't like people and everybody's irritating me because nobody's doing what I want, you know, because I'm tired. Recharge your emotions, right? Those are the three things that we need to accomplish on our Sabbath. And your affirmation there, because it's hard. I, I, things are coming up and I don't know if I can trust God. That's my issue. And I've got to work. I've got to get these things done. You need to trust God by resting. So, Lord, I, I don't know if this is all going to get done. I'm going to let you take it over, okay? So, all right. I'm trusting God by resting. Recharge my soul, number three. Recharge my soul with beauty. Okay? He makes me lie down in lush meadows and leads me beside calm waters and restores my soul. Okay? There is rest in beauty. It, it, right? Isn't that why we go to the lake? Isn't that why you, do you, we hang pictures of beautiful things on the walls in our offices? Because beauty has a natural element of rest and, and relaxation, right? We, my wife and I, occasionally we, we get to go out to Ojo, Ojo Caliente. You just rest, relax. It's beautiful there, so beautiful. God put beauty in our lives to help us relax, to help us de-stress, to help us rest. Lush green meadows, he leads me beside calm, quiet waters. We need to obey his, um, his command to rest and to, to recharge. I'm sorry, I got on the wrong one. Recharge my soul with beauty. We need to do that. Um, so here's some suggestions to help you with beauty, okay? <laughs> this is super funny to me. You've got to start your day with God, okay? Not the media, right? Not the news. There's no beauty in the news. If it bleeds, it leads, okay? That's not going to help you. The first seven minutes of your day sets the tone for the rest of your day. You need to start your day with God. And taking in some beauty and who he is. To get outside, even if it's just in the backyard, get outside. Uh, Take up art or an instrument for stress. You know, musicians, they'll tell you, man, when I'm wicked stressed, I I go sit down and play the guitar. I go play. Um, Fourth, intentionally put beauty around you. You know, put some seashells in the bathroom. Put some pictures on the wall. Do something. Where you have, you know, some beauty. Okay? Um, The next one. Number four, go to God for guidance. Okay? So this is that worry of indecision, right? There's so many decisions, so much going on. Um, I'm not sure. You know, you're at a fork of the road 
or you're waiting for some answer, etc. Those things, you got to trust God for guidance, which means you have to be in relationship, which means you need to be there with uh, your shepherd. Right? He guides me into the right paths for his name's sake. Right? Do you see what it says there? He guides me in the right paths because it's good for me, because I need to improve, uh, because my reputation is at stake, because I need to make more money, because I have, I'm clueless, I have no idea what to do. No. It's because it's for his name's sake. Because you're his child. He has the responsibility. He's the shepherd. Right? For his name's sake. Right? So you need to go and spend time with him. So your affirmation here is, is to say, when you're, when you're you know, in that place of like, I don't know what to do. All these toothpastes, I just can't decide. You know, God will guide me at the right time and I will pick the right toothpaste. I'm just teasing. God will guide me at the right time when I don't know if I should move or not. I don't know whether God's calling me to this or not. God will guide me. And that affirmation and consistent statement will be a difference maker in the stress that you feel. Okay? Number five. Trust in God in the dark valleys. Okay? A common source of stress is loss. Loss of anything. Right? The two reactions to loss is grief and fear. Grief and fear. And listen to what it says here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the rod and staff of the shepherd, a rod was used to beat the wolves away. The staff was used for some of that, but also to corral the sheep to get them where they need to be. Right When they're going through the valley of the shadow of death on the edge of a cliff or whatever, a shepherd could reel them in, keep them from the edge, that type of thing. Do you notice also in this passage that it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? It doesn't say, I will never take you through the valley of the shadow of death. I wish it did. Deeply, I do. Because I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death several times. And I've been on the outskirts of the shadow of the valley of death a couple of times. And you know what? God, it wasn't God's fault that I was there. It was mine. Some of it. Some of it was someone else's fault I was walking through the valley of the shadow of the death. You know, some of you may, you know, know somebody, they got bad news at the doctor and they're in the valley. It's not even, it's no one's fault, right? Genetics, whatever, you know, we are going to absolutely going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death in this life. You're either going there, you're there or you're leaving. I mean, really, that's it happens. And, and a lot of times we blame God for the fact that we're there. He should have bailed me out. He should have. That's not how it works. This is the promise. He will be there while you're there. And he will be there when you're going there. And he will be there when you come out. He will be there. That's the promise. The shepherd had to take his sheep through the valley of the shadow of death sometimes. Right? 
but his rod and his staff, they comfort him. Right? They comfort us knowing that. So if you're in that place of loss, if you respond with fear, you're in trouble. You need to, resp- you need to grieve the loss. Just embrace it. Don't blame God. Engage and press in. Get all, of it, all out of it you can because this is the one truth, my own personal truth that I've learned. Hardship is good for us. It matures us. Right? I'm, I know these guys. They didn't have any kids. They're whiny. They complain about everything. You know, after three kids, it's like, really? That's what you're complaining about? Let me just tell you about my day. You know, you have a few teenagers. You'll mature quickly. I call it, that's what I call it, forced maturity. <laughs> right? It is. And hardship is good for me. It helps me be a viable human being. I have self-respect because of what, how I've grown and what God has done for me and how he's got me through the valley of the shadow of death. So here's your affirmation. Um, there's also another psalm there. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm ready to give up, he knows what I should do. That is almost always how it is. Here's your affirmation. I don't have to know the answers if I know God. Don't have to know the answers if I know God. You know, that is such a stress reliever. Such a stress reliever. But it takes trust. You have to trust him. Number six, let God be my defender. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So right here, I'm sure you've experienced this at work, at school and classes, right? There's that person, they just don't like you. They start talking trash about you and that's all that. God, if you will choose to do the next right thing, just be consistent. Do the next right thing. Consistently be you. Keep your side of the street clean. God will defend you. He will be your defender and it will become obvious that this is this other person. I, I had this situation. There's a co-worker in New York New to our company, didn't like me because everybody listened to me, right? It wasn't me. It was him. And they wanted him to listen to him. So he started, he started trash talking me, you know, saying stuff behind me. And I would hear. So my response was to, you know, I'm, I'm ready to fly out there and let's do it, man. Let's go in the hall, you know. But that's dumb, right? Because I ruined my reputation and everything I had built for 15 years. So I just continued to deliver. I continue to do the right thing. I continue to say the right things. I never spoke badly about him. And I just let him bury himself. And you know what? God took care of all of that. It didn't take long either. So, you know, two years, not bad. All right. So if you're suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right. And trust yourself to the God who made you because he will not fail you. He won't fail you, First Peter, right? So here's your affirmation. When you're in that spot, this needs to be your prayer, your thing that to affirm you in this habit that you're developing to let God be your defender. God will take care of me. He will. He will. It may not go like you want. It may not take care of you like you want, but you'll be okay. Last one, seven. Expect God to finish what he starts in me. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. So in this situation, we're looking at all this economy. I, I Honestly, I've had people to tell me, no lie, tell me I needed to take all my money out of my 401k, pay the penalties, buy silver and gold, and bury it in my backyard. Because the dollar's going to fail, the euro's going to I mean, the, it's, the, we're careening off a cliff. Poverty will never be like it. this has never been seen. All that stuff like that. You know, when I start looking at that and I start praying and I start seeking God for guidance and those things, you know, the Lord doesn't affirm any of that in me. And what I'm really hearing is, no, I got you. I'm taking care of you. You know, I got you. You can trust me for your future. And that's a stress relief for me. You know, what was really funny was like, the guy told me two years ago, he said that the euro was going to fail and in April. I mean, they had a date and everything in April. I said, okay, man. So it went up. And it's still fine. You know? And I, I asked him about it about six months ago. I said, I thought the euro was going to fail in April. Well, yeah, well, they propped it up and they did this and blah, blah, blah. You know, conspiracy theory and all that stuff. You know what? God's got me. He's got my future. And I'm good. And I'm good. So when you're in that position, your affirmation here on the next slide is, is simply this. God will finish what he started. And I didn't put this verse on here, but Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will finish it, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, that, that verse alone got me on the road to trusting God with my future. You know, that verse alone. Go. Oh, the responsibility is his. He's going to finish what he started. So really, if I could trust him, I could just try to do the next right thing, God's got me. And I'm there. And I'll be where he needs me to be. And I'm okay with that because I'm the sheep and he's the shepherd. Right? Amen. So those are our seven affirmations that, that help us with all those areas of stress. So I got you stressed out in the beginning, you know. But these are seven, seven healthy habits that we, and this is my challenge for you this week. There, there were a lot of them there, right? So one of these has to be in your life right now, if not more than one. But at least one area where that's like, I'm dealing with chronic stress at, in, this, in this area, You've got to be dealing with one. So your challenge, my homework for you this week, your challenge this week is to work on it. Do the affirmation. Apply that to your life. Right? So, so maybe your thing is, is you know, you're, you're stressed out you know, about whether God's going to take care of your, your future. You're in that situation. You need to take the time. Turn on some worship music. Get some beauty in. And work on that affirmation in seeking the Lord and walking through walking that road and walking with him as your shepherd. So that's my challenge for you tonight or today. And um, if we do that, we will be in awesome shape. Right. Because it's been a it's been a difference maker for me um, to be able to to get to that place where I don't have arm tingling days. 
anymore because I'm, I'm in a position more of, of, Lord, you got this. I've watched so many IT issues disappear. Really. I, I actually was training this one guy. He screwed up big. I mean, big. He wiped out an entire table in the database. You know, and it was like he was freaking out. And he looks at me, and I'm helping him. We're working together. Okay, we got to call the DBA. He goes, why are you so calm? He said that. He said, why are you so calm? I'm like freaking out here. I said, I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, it's going to be okay. We're going to work. I've seen this a lot of times. We're going to work through this. I've never faced an IT issue that I wasn't able to resolve or wasn't resolved. You know, I trust the God I serve. I trust that these things will go like they need to go. And and really, you can freak out all you want, but you're not going to change the fact that that data is gone. <laughs> it's gone, man. So we're going to have to, you know, and we'll work through it, and it'll get there. You know, and that's that thing. And chronic stress, I'm serious, it is super unhealthy, and it impacts your ability with what you can and cannot do uh, for the Lord and what God may want to do. So that's my challenge for you guys today. And, you know, as I'm talking through this, one of the things is maybe you haven't made God your, the Lord your shepherd. You're still on the fence or you're just not sure of the whole thing. But I promise you, it, take this step of making the Lord your shepherd by inviting Christ into your life. And I'm going to give you that opportunity. When you do that, your life will change. If, 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 you, and if you know anything about stress, kids, health, all that stuff, if you've experienced any of that, there's an antidote for it. And it's putting God as your shepherd and, and engaging him on that level. So if we could just take a moment, just close our eyes and, and bow your heads just for some privacy, you know. Uh, if, you, if you're in a position where you are not walking with the shepherd and you want, you want Christ to come into your life and you want to engage him in, in, that, in that way that I've been talking about today, um, if you just raise your hand. And I can pray with you if, you're, if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and have him take charge of your life and be able to have this antidote. Just raise your hand. All right. All right, thanks. I just want to, the way we do that is a prayer, you know, and we just, we just speak to God because he's right here right now. And we ask him to, to uh, come into our lives and, And so just uh, everyone just pray with me. Let's pray this prayer. Lord, come into my heart. Come into my life. Lord, and and be my shepherd. Take control of my life. And I yield my life to you. Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Lord, all those things that I've done. Lord, forgive me and give me that clean slate before you. In the name of Jesus, amen.